Welcome to Product Club, a podcast featuring the best product people in the world. I'm your host, Jeff Morris Jr. Most of you know me as JMJ and founder at Chapter One. Let's get started. Today, we welcome Dustin Shao, the head of product at Gatsby, to Product Club. Dustin, so great to have you on Product Club today. I've had the pleasure of getting to know you for the past six months, really in a product context, but uh, have watched Gatsby grow for a long time and wanted to start by talking about Gatsby. It's a five-year-old company and you've accomplished obviously a lot, fastest growing framework on the web, viral growth. But for people who don't know what Gatsby is, can you give kind of the one minute background and tell us the story from your perspective? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. So yeah, uh, I think the simplest explanation for, for Gatsby is Gatsby is a web framework built on top of React that specializes in making websites fast. And so I'm kind of over, overloading the term, but it's, you know, it's fast for the developer, fast for the user, fast for the team building websites with our plugin ecosystem. Uh, you know, the core value proposition of Gatsby is performance. You know, that's kind of what drew me into Gatsby, you know, you know as an engineer. And so uh, I think it's what, you know, draws in our users, you know, users who you know, care about the end user experience, who care about building a website and who don't want to spend, you know, hours and hours fiddling with performance, hours and hours reading API docs. Um, so, you know, that you can just focus on building what matters and building out a great experience for you and for your users. So, yeah, that's that's Gatsby, very deeply in the React ecosystem. So uh, you can build your application using React. You can use a plugin. So common plugins can be WordPress, Contentful, or even like a Markdown file or a, a Markdown plugin for, you know, a local developer blog. And so that's really kind of been Gatsby's bread and butter excuse me, bread and butter. And that's kind of what's contributed, I think, you know, most to our growth is that it's kind of a cool, you know, new technology and it helps you, you know, build out a bunch of technologies and then build out like a great website that your users love in the process. And Gatsby started as an open source project and obviously the early community at Chapter One, we like to invest in software cults. So how have you seen the community grow over time and how has the community impacted the product and adoption? Yeah, it's been it's been awesome. So um, sometimes I lovingly refer to our community as like the fire hose because they're so vocal, they're you know so active that it's actually kind of challenging to you know maintain and like leverage towards you know the most positive ends. But also the community is you know an incredible kind of asset, an incredible plus in that you know they're like free, easy user research, and also you know they they're like deeply you know using our products. So I think one of the some of the things that you know we've done that help contribute to that you know, community growth is uh, generally we, you know, it sounds kind of glib, but it's just cultivating the vibe that like everyone is welcome here. You know, when you're building a community, like um, making it like one of our you know key virtues is like you belong here. And so, you know, that being kind of a key thing in our DNA, both internally and then externally, I think has really kind of rallied the community around, you know, Gatsby being a place where, you know, you can contribute, you know, you can get your first contribution using Gatsby. And then, you know, it's, Seems kind of dumb. It's just a little, a little thing. But uh, so when, once you contribute a, a pull request that gets merged to Gatsby, you can then go to our swag store. Uh, you get a pair of socks. You get a T-shirt. And so that I think is kind of a way that we've kind of driven virality, but also like rewarded people for taking the time. You know, because contributing to open source, you know, being part of this community is a privilege for for everyone and for us. And so it's a little token kind of 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 our gesture of our respect. You know, for for what they've done and what they give to us and uh, it's the least we can do. And so, you know, that coupled with, um, we've, we've tried in the past to varying degrees of success, like light mechanisms to kind of leverage that community and, you know, to like kind of give them early access to things, use them as like super fans. Um, but then also just generally like, 
you know, meeting weekly to kind of like let them know that we're hearing, you know, what they're saying, uh, you know, here's some upcoming things that we'll be working on. And yeah, it's been, it's been a, it's been a growth opportunity. It's been a challenge sometimes, like I said, like the, the, the fire hose of, you know, go look at Gatsby's open source repo, open source repo, and you'll see like 400, 500 issues, 200 pull requests, which is far and away, you know, like a lot, a lot, a lot of traffic, a lot, a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of activity, but, um, yeah, I think I think we've generally tried to leverage it in a helpful, meaningful way towards improving our product and you know learning from those users who you know care a lot and care most. So, yeah, long long story short, we haven't fully cracked that egg, but uh, it's been very instrumental in our growth, and I think we've created a welcoming environment where people can contribute and feel like that their voice is being heard. How do you practically, from a product point of view, because you're the head of product, how do you manage community requests and where do you kind of capture the voice of the community, whether it's in different chat forums or you must be getting feedback from all over the place. So I'm curious how you <laughs> you use those inputs. Yes. Well, generally, you know, I think it's just clearly setting expectations. So, um, you know, two years ago, our expectations were slightly different than they are now where, you know, we, we generally don't have any expectations of like an official response to things in like Stack Overflow, Spectrum, um, our, our two kind of main community avenues are GitHub and then Discord. Our Discord is, again, like hearkening back to the last answer with, uh, you know, like the fire hose, like wildly active. So generally it's, uh, you know, setting expectations that, you know, we'll, we'll commit to kind of being active in these communities. Uh, you'll get an official Gatsby representative or maybe even two to a fault uh, overly active in Discord, but it's a great way to kind of like, you know, chat with an open source maintainer, chat with someone who, you know, what can help you kind of get your first PR. Um, as far as like from a product perspective, how we actually manage them, that's really more on the community maintenance side of it. We don't do, I mean, I don't want to come here and say we have all the perfect answers because we don't do this as well as we could. And so one of the areas in which, you know, I think we can really improve is, you know, not just kind of treating this community as, you know, this like amorphous blob that, you know, can, you know, provide value. It's how can we kind of take these, you know, these impassioned people who, you know, are able to contribute to our open source code base and then improve it in kind of like focused areas. So we've, we've tried some things to varying degrees of success. Um, we've, you know, had a kind of open source-ish roadmap, kind of like a thematic roadmap where, you know, any kind of help or any kind of assistance that we can get towards, you know, these like known valuable ends, for instance, um, making Gatsby a little bit easier to use, making Gatsby a little bit more scalable. Um, and so those are areas in which we've tried to kind of leverage the community towards like the maximal product value. Um, and so again, like generally, um, we've kind of succeeded towards those ends. I think the, the like really important recognition is that, you know, it requires a lot of time and care. Uh, and so, you know, we'll, we'll do a lot of things like, you know, just simple tactical things where issues will have, you know, good first issue. So it's a good kind of thing that we are kind of signaling loudly and clearly to the community that this matters and that, you know, this PR will be merged in, you know, a reasonable time frame. So long story short, unsolved problem, uh, very, very hard problem to solve, but we've made some progress and we'll keep making more progress and chipping away, you know, giving people that great, you know, first time experience while also end of the day, understanding that we are business and that we do need to kind of, you know, prioritize uh, some things over other things. And it can't just be an entirely community driven um, product. Yeah, I think that touches upon a really interesting point. And it's from an investor's perspective, it's a hot question because when you're evaluating open source projects, you're, you're kind of asking how will these projects transition to being 
commercial open source or said otherwise, how will they, uh, how will they make money? And so from a, a product perspective, I know that's always a, a tricky balance about what to prioritize and when to make that transition. But what have you learned and what advice do you have for other open source projects that are thinking about going from open source to commercial open source? Yeah, my my answer again is going to sound glib. Uh, it's going to sound like it's easy, and there's so much more like nuance than this answer will indicate. But I really think of you know as you commercialize an open source product, it's how do you make it better for everyone? So you know what things can you can you uniquely do by like owning the by owning the cloud product by owning the open source framework that benefits not only just the open source user, you know, and we have a generous free tier, and I think is a very important thing, but also that you know, is actually better for, you know, what it evolves towards like your, you know, your target market. And so the, I, I guess, I guess the advice that I would have is um, be clear on like who you're for, uh, you know, what that kind of key persona is that you're trying to capture. And, you know, I think when you kind of try to be everything for everyone, particularly for a community, which may have, you know, different needs, different expectations, um, then that kind of, way of product thinking and the way to prioritize gets gets very murky. And so uh, as we kind of evolve into, you know, one of the things that, you know, what's Gatsby, you know, good for and useful for, Gatsby is really great for agencies and teams building websites. And so that's really the area in which we want to make that experience uniquely good. And then what's great about kind of the overall strategy is that, you know, it's kind of land and expand. You know, uh, I came to Gatsby two years ago as an engineer on the open source team, like just enthralled with you know, oh my God, this is amazing. This is magic. You know, I can build out my site. I can build out my blog, my portfolio. And so by making, you know, the experience for building out that Gatsby site, you know, uniquely, work, work uniquely well on cloud. And then by thinking, you know, more more broadly than, you know, just the hobbyist, the individual who, you know, honestly, I don't think we're going to commercialize at like a super high rate. I think it kind of gets a little more clear and then it kind of, you know, the strategy clicks into place. So it's basically... Think of you know your commercial product, your cloud product as making the making the open source product work better. So this is all very vague. So like tangible example, we have a feature called incremental builds, uh, which is a way in which you know uniquely leveraging the cloud infrastructure and kind of the open source to cloud API contract, owning the framework, owning the open source piece. We can do things like caching, parallelization, you know, some, some kind of fun product uh, product challenges, product engineering challenges. And we can deliver that value. We can make you know the open source product work uniquely well in cloud. So yeah, that's that's kind of how I think of it. Um, we have more to do, more to grow. As always, I feel like never being content, never never calling good enough good enough is the, the overall advice here too. But uh, yeah, that's kind of how we think of it. And um, really, we we don't want to lose sight of the people you know and everyone who got us here, those hobbyists, those individualists. But we also want to think more broadly about how do we make it uniquely good for the teams building Gatsby sites, and and uh, and that's kind of how I think of the cloud product for Gatsby. And, and part of probably the uh, overwhelming nature of just knowing what to build is the fact that you have this giant competitor and uh, or incumbent in WordPress, and the web is such a, a large place to build, and there's so many different use cases and 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 people to build for. But how do you, how do you think about creating a unique wedge when you're going after? a large incumbent. And, you know, I think this applies to every startup where there's always going to be a legacy player that you're, you're competing with. But how, how do you think about that from a, a product perspective? Yeah, <laughs> there's idealism, which is kind of where, where I more where I prescribe my philosophy. And then there's like pragmatism. So I think, 
particularly with Gatsby and WordPress and like broadening it up to like the Jamstack, I see Jamstack as like a disruptive innovation. And so what's been really interesting to see is, you know, the the incumbent, you know, the 35% of the web kind of like laughing at, you know, the, the Jamstack and like the novelty of it. And so to me, you know, I also, I guess, you know, one of Gatsby's unique by propositions is I, I truly don't. And again, maybe this is like the idealist in me. I don't see it purely as a competition. I see it kind of as like a cooperation. And so WordPress in particular, like nothing would thrill me more than if like most Gatsby users or, you know, more and more Gatsby users, you know, start using WordPress as their CMS. And then they use Gatsby to kind of like stitch it together to get some performance benefits. And then, you know, ultimately use Gatsby Cloud to kind of make this uh, experience, you know, as, as easy as possible. So when we're competing, you know, or kind of the really not even competing, you know, we're just a small, a small blip on WordPress's radar and the percentage of the web. But ultimately, I think of, you know, how do we kind of capture the, the like focused, you know, narrow market, which is CMS backed websites, websites, you know, that need to be fast. And then how do we then begin, you know, broadening it up? How do we kind of capture that? And then, you know, begin chipping away at not only what WordPress is doing well, but like any CMS in the space is doing well. And so, to me, the kind of you know core value proposition of of cloud is like the workflow experiences that you get. So it's you know the best CMS workflow from not only WordPress but you know for anyone in that space. So from you know new new incumbents like Sanity or Dato CMS, and you know how that can all kind of uniquely work well can kind of be stitched together, and you can get some great workflow experiences you know using Gatsby Cloud. So long long story short. Um, my idealistic perspective is that um, I, would, I really would love nothing more than if, you know, WordPress looked favorably upon the Jamstack and like realized it can be a way, you know, to make the WordPress experience better, to make WordPress more scalable, um, you know, to make, to make the experience of teams collaborating on content, like keep it happening in WordPress and then use Gatsby kind of as the view layer, as the stitching together of this, you know, disparate, um, you know, other services and then making them work, you know, kind of uniquely well, uh, infinitely scalable, so on and so forth. So long story short, um, not, not a totally solved problem. Um, you know, I, I, I would like to think of the Jamstack as kind of this disruptive innovation. And uh, we, be, we kind of win and begin to chip away at this by making it work for who's kind of in this space, you know, which is kind of the early adopters. And then broadening up, broadening up, um, eventually chipping away at the most valuable bits of the of that workflow from from WordPress and others. What do you think is the most exciting part about the Jamstack as a whole? I think the the core thing that I think is so exciting is is the idea of empowering non technical users to to be more creative. But why do you think there's been such a? It seems like Jamstack is 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 something you hear about every day. <laughs> You can't avoid it. Um, but why, why do you think there's so much excitement within the past, call it like two to three years? And what do you see kind of the, the purpose of, of Jamstack as a as a theme and, and kind of the entire web ecosystem? Yeah. So I I think the the, the key thing here, so uh, like non-technical, less technical, I think of it as like a spectrum. And I think one of the, I think Jamstack is like a general concept. One of the, the greatest things that's really kind of, you know, illustrated this, um, kind of like empowering nature is it's that it enables people who wouldn't typically, you know, build something pretty sophisticated and like pretty compelling. Uh, it enables them to build that really quickly, really easily. And so, you know, there's really obvious use cases here. So Netlify has done like an awesome job of this where, uh, you know, in which they're square in the Jamstack, it's, 
you know, what has typically been doable, but kind of challenging? Well, yeah, you know, you can spin up Lambda infrastructure. Maybe you can use serverless to make it even slightly easier. But what if you just create a, like a local file on your file system and you get a kind of like robust, scalable microservice uh, just by like just knowing JavaScript? You know, that's effectively all you need to do to get something reasonably sophisticated. So I see kind of the, the Jamstack trend and like what it excites me most as it kind of drives down the barrier to entry. So it's it's not as if we're, you know, doing no code or, you know, um, competing with like Webflow or anything like that, you know, quite yet. It's more around, you know, how do we kind of drive down the barrier to entry? How do we make it even easier and more accessible to like a broader audience? And to me, the Jamstack, the broader audience is people who know JavaScript. And then that answer a year from now, two years from now, it's basically empowering front-end developers to kind of own more of like the full stack experience. And so I see Jamstack kind of evolving, not only to just, you know, the front-end developers, which I think is largely where it's at today, but like it's the teams building websites, which ultimately, you know, when, when someone's making a call as to whether something's worth doing, you know, whether the Jamstack is a technique that, you know, will actually help them, it's, it's very much in like the early adopter phase. And so I see it kind of growing and evolving as, you know, it's not just the developer whose life you're making easier. We need to move beyond that to the teams building sites, you know, the marketer. Uh, how do we ensure that they can collaborate without shoulder tapping a dev? So to me, the the use cases that are most exciting and most interesting are you know very much around the recognition that it's not just driving down the barrier to entry for devs, but it's like improving the overall you know collaboration and communication between ultimately it's teams who build websites, you know it's devs and marketers and sales and designers you know who collaborate with with you know, all kinds of different tools. And then um, to me, the Jamstack is how do we make the developers' lives better, but then also improve, you know, the other stakeholders of a website um, as well? So, lots of words to say. Uh, we are in the early phases of kind of the Jamstack adoption curve. You know, we've kind of captured the, you know, the developer, and we've driven down the barrier to entry. But there's just so much more to do. And I think, in broad part, you know, this this kind of speaks to why the Jamstack has been seen as like you know, this kind of, haha, let's laugh at it, or, you know, it's not quite ready, or it's not quite fully baked. And it's like, yeah, no kidding, because these other tools, these other things, other workflows, they've existed for 10, you know, 12 years. And so Jamstack's early on. Um, Jamstack is amazingly exciting. And I'm, you know, glad that Gatsby's kind of squarely in this, you know, Jamstack innovation, which I think will continue to change how the web is built. Yeah, I think there was a time period where maybe it was like, 2010 to 2015 call it where building on the web wasn't cool um like every developer i knew wanted to go build on mobile because you know that the app ecosystem was was just exploding it, it feels like the web is back in many ways and it's faster it's easier to iterate um, and frankly i think i'm seeing more creativity on the web than mobile right now which is 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 pretty interesting and can you talk about just the state of the web in general and what do you think has caused the explosion in creativity that we're, that we're seeing right now? Yeah, um, I think a lot of it is kind of, uh, it speaks a little bit to kind of what we were talking about earlier, where it's like, it's empowering to more. And so what, <laughs> we've, we've, we've tossed around, you know, in the five years of Gatsby, lots of like mission statements. And one of, one of them that didn't stick, but that I think speaks to kind of what you're referring to is like, make the web weird again, you know, for for uh, people who have, you know, built websites, it's like, you know, they're like hearkening back to like the GeoCities day. And um, one of the things I like most about, about Gatsby in particular is that it just produces, you know, it's, it's fairly complex. You know, there's 
React, there's Node, there's GraphQL, you know, there's a lot of these cool technologies. But what gets produced is plain old static HTML, CSS, JavaScript, static assets. And so um, to me, it's like, kind of like tech is like very cyclical. It's like, you know, every 10 years, it's like, oh, wait, that's actually a good idea to go static and remove a server, <laughs> you know? And so that's kind of how I see it now, like to give like a better answer on, you know, what in specific has enabled that. I think a lot of it has been the kind of explosion of, you know, like front end as like a technique. And then there's generally like React, uh, Vue, Angular to, you know, to a lesser extent, but kind of the proliferation of like, you know, great tools, great libraries, great plugins, you know, in the Gatsby ecosystem that really make making something that seemed reasonably sophisticated, you know, pretty easy. So, you know, 10 years ago or five years ago or something, if it's, you know, I want to do use case X or use case Y, it's like, well, you need to hire three people. And, you know, with Jamstack, it's like, no, nah, just do it yourself. You know, you can, you can do this, you can get this plugin off the shelf, you can use this React component library or your, you know, your company's like design system. And, you know, you can get something that scales kind of effectively infinitely, you know, put it on a CDN and for pennies, for millions of views, you know, you can, you can uh, scale and that to me. And then of course, what Gassy produces, what the Jamstack produces, static assets, it's kind of enabled this, you know, groundswell adoption of, you know, let's make the web weird again. Let's kind of revisit the way we used to do and um, we can do it effectively for free with uh, many tools in the Jamstack. On the theme of making the weird web weird again, do you have any favorite kind of weird websites that, that you've seen? Uh, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, weird websites. Um, well, I can tell you this is, this is probably not the answer that you were thinking because it's a boring answer, but it's an illustration of the value of kind of what I was referring to, which is, you know, the, the plain all HTML assets. Go look up the Space Jam website. It's like, from 95, still up, you know, works great. And so what I was doing, you know, recently we were, uh, we were doing just like a pairing exercise, like, you know, let's, um, let's, let's see if we can build something. And that's what I was building. I was rebuilding the Space Jam website, you know, with, with Gatsby. And so anyways, long, long story short. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think one of the things that, you know, like not only is it like weird, it's, it's simple. And so, um, to me, the, the way that, you know, you can kind of like continue to make the web weird is I, I think one of the things I like best about Jamstack is that it's like empowered content creators to like own their own content, you know, so you see like the proliferation of like the developer blog, you see people moving off of medium. And so to me, what that does is it kind of incentivizes, I don't want to be too grandiose, you know, but people who think differently, people who, you know, want to be able to experiment, who are like, well, I wonder if I could build that. And so that to me is, again, I feel like I'm harping on the Jamstack today, which is to be expected. I'm a teensy bit biased, but that to me is the like truly exciting part of the Jamstack and um, kind of giving giving the power back to the creators, you know, letting them kind of put their like weird thing out there. That That's a pretty amazing thing. And I'm excited to see that trend continue to, to progress. I think the web tends to follow culture in many ways. And so what I see, you know, when I walked on the streets and when I, Turn on the TV is a lot of '90s nostalgia, <laughs> and I'm seeing the same. You you referenced GeoCities earlier, but I'm seeing a, a lot of '90s nostalgia on, on the internet, and even with ex examples built on Gatsby. I know you, you built an ex an example internally that looked very '90s esque, um, but have you have you noticed similar patterns? And I'm wondering what the next trend will be. But it, it feels like we're in kind of a lo-fi '90s web environment. Yeah. Uh... 
Ooh, that is a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, there's so many like analogies you can draw, like, you know, it's, it's, it's trends and what was, what was the norm 20 years ago becomes cool again, like 20 years later. Uh, and I, again, I think it does harken back to like making the web, the web weird. So, you know, as far as like what trends I'm seeing and like what, uh, what I think I'll we'll continue to see and stuff, I, 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 I yeah, I, I, I think I definitely see it. You know, some of the things that uh, here's, here's an example. Um, so, uh, there's a guy named Josh at Gatsby who built his like personal blog and portfolio with Gatsby. And, um, you know, it's kind of like the case for whimsy. It's something that he, you know, really cares about. It's kind of like, uh, so you click through his blog and like you click a button and it has a little sound effect, you know, and he wrote it like a great little blog post on how you do this with React, you know, of course, which is squarely in the, you know, the, the React and Gatsby ecosystem. And so it's like, well, it felt kind of like kitschy, you know, like if we're, if we're too kind of like moving beyond the like trends of like design where it's like skeuomorphic was the thing. And then now it's like super flat. And so to me, it's like, basically it's what was cool 20 years ago becomes, becomes cool 20 years later again. And so, you know, I've seen a little bit of that. Uh, I don't have a, a better answer to, you know, where I think it's going apart from, I feel like every couple of years you'll see, the 20 years out become kind of cool again. You know, the, the retro is <laughs> cool. The, the like kitschy sound effect and the, you know, like the like site counter, you know, Josh's site has a, has a site counter when it's like, man, I, I miss site counters. What site counters were great. You know, like, why don't we do that more often? And so I think it's just harkening back. It's almost like it's a throwback and like a love letter to, you know, what we grew up with or what was like essential, like, you know, earlier on. And yeah, that's kind of how I think of it. So <laughs> You know, it's a good kind of reflection moment. I'm a I'm a '90s kid, and so it's like, oh God, what are the 2000s going to be like? What's going to be cool in 2030? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know that. I don't have the answer to that yet, but uh, I will think on it. My my dream is just to have my entire website be an Oregon Trail <laughs> demo. <laughs> oh my God, yes! Uh, give me the the black and the white, uh, <laughs> the black and the white Oregon Trail on the like. Well, the iMac or whatever. Yes, that would be that would be great. Choose your own journey or something too. Yeah, that's that's a good idea. I want I want to close out though, and we haven't talked about the the plugin ecosystem for Gatsby. And I think every web project I see that has any developer community wants to open their API and they want to create a plugin ecosystem because you can really leverage the community in interesting ways. But how is the the plugin ecosystem for Gatsby grown and what are some interesting plugins you've seen and for other folks who are thinking about either building a plugin ecosystem or uh, leveraging their API in interesting ways to, to create community adoption? What kind of advice do you have for them? Yeah. Yeah. So it's all, again, like there's no, there's no easy answers here. You got to like, just try things, see what sticks, experiment, but really what the kind of theme of this talk I think is that, it takes many things to go right, many dominoes to fall in the right direction. And all you can kind of do is hope that you're setting up the dominoes just so that, you know, things will progress like you hope. Because one of the key things to a plugin ecosystem is that you have a community behind it. So it's like build a great API, you know, create a, you know, local like developer experience where, you know, you, you are like, well, holy shit, that was amazing. You know, that's exactly what I wanted to happen. And you experience that moment as like quickly as possible. You know, like what you've just, what you've just done then is you've created a fan, you know, you've created someone who will want to build more things, someone who will want to build their next site in Gatsby. And so then, you know, it's building an API, as I think of it, it's, it's a bit of build it and they will come, you know, so it's like build a great API, you know, show some, you know, kind of best of breed 
kind of plugins, which you know, largely were originally built by us, built by Kyle, you know, uh, the CEO of Gatsby. And, um, you know, just hope that a couple things go right. Hope that a couple things, you know, spin in your direction. And that's ultimately how the plugin ecosystem has has best benefited us. And so, you know, I think the the important thing is to know, like, who you're targeting. So plugins for Gatsby, you know, for like a, a user, someone at an agency matter, because they have like a great experience, they can build a site, they can publish a site, you know, much more quickly. But when you're thinking of plugins, it's actually a different persona. It's the person, we want to incentivize the pers- a person, a uh, dev, to, you know, build a Gatsby plugin. And so then we need kind of like, how do we target that persona? How do we, you know, cultivate this environment in which we're incentivizing a plugin to be created that's actually useful to the broader ecosystem? So, you know, again, dovetailing with our earlier discussion on my community, it's, you know, create this sense where, hey, we would love to help you build a plugin. You know, we'll jump on a call. That was that was some things I used to do in my early days at Gatsby as an open source engineer. I would, you know, pair with people. Um, I would help them build out plugins. And then ultimately, I think that kind of, you know, putting in the work and kind of incentivizing others to, you know, have a great experience in putting in the work and then like reward them for their time. You know, it's, it's again, those are the dominoes that, that fell and then are, you know, hopefully continuing to fall. That kind of basically create this environment in which, you know, you get this kind of, uh, you know, glorious cycle where, uh, you know, and incentivize a dev uh, to build a plugin because, you know, they love Caspi so much. You incentivize your market to, you know, use that plugin because it makes their life easier because they're spending less time optimizing because the core API, you know, the, the Gatsby open source uh, framework, you know, enables you to build something sophisticated, you know, pretty quickly. And so, you know, all of those factors kind of intersect uh, and, and more to, you know, contribute to that. So it's like, you know, we had 20 plugins and then we had 500 and then now we have 2,500. And so, yeah, it's it's been a pretty great journey. And so some of my favorites, uh, I, uh, me, like it's still kind of a moment of wow you know, one of the things that I think, you know, distinguishes Gatsby relative to other kind of players in the space in the Jamstack is I don't have to know the API for Contentful or for WordPress. Like I don't have to look up API docs. I add the plugin, I get back structured data as GraphQL, and I can focus on building out my website, not like deeply pouring over API specs. And so to me, that's why a plugin matters. You know, it's 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 fast. It's fast for the user, fast for the developer. And you know, that's kind of the environment that we're looking to create and to continue to create with, with Gatsby and plugins. Dustin, this has been amazing. I know it's not your official tagline at Gatsby, but excited to see you continue continue to make the web weird again. <laughs> uh, I think that's a great mission and I, uh, I have full confidence you'll, you'll enable that. So thank you so much for your time and uh, always a blast talking to you. Uh, you as well, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Um, and yeah, hopefully we can continue to, to make the web even weirder. Love it. Talk to you soon.